0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of How to Scale a Business. I'm on with Kevin Chong, and um, he's a, a kernel of architecture and also in like, UCLA Anderson MBA and a digi- digital anthropologist. So, Kevin, appreciate you being in the show. Appreciate you being in the show. Thanks so much. Okay, and Kevin here is he's a, a customer-centric product manager with over like a decade experience in, in the career. So he launches users experience for all kinds of companies, including his startup, and also some of the largest Fortune 500 corporation. Pretty glad, pretty glad that you made it to the show. Again, uh, appreciate it. And um, Kevin, can you tell us how you started in, in this space? Like what's the backstory behind?
1: Certainly. So I majored from an urban planning degree from The Cornell University School of Architecture, as you mentioned. And at the time that I graduated, I returned to the San Francisco Bay Area, where I originally grew up from New York, and witnessed uh, a lot of companies, startups, technology companies, trying to change the, the urban landscape in a way that uh, I think even an urban planner, someone with more of the policy and political side uh, could ever anticipate. So seeing how companies that were upstart at the time, like Uber and Lyft, really mm-hmm. change how people were were getting around, whether urban planners liked it or not, or whether, whether the city liked it or not, it, it seemed like it was an inevitable change. And so that really accelerated my career transition from initially what I thought was going to be more... Uh, around government and public policy into the technology and entrepreneurship space.
0: Oh, I see. And I see. And, um, what do you think is like the greatest challenges in, in this area? And and how do you deal with that one or navigate through that?
1: Yeah, I think in the technology industry, you aren't as restrained on growing your concept as it relates to, uh, you know, equity or to, uh, serve, I think this like a a more well-rounded purpose. Uh, I think this is always the clash that you, you tend to get when you're pursuing ideas that are, uh, you know, in the technology space that are really oriented around growth. And I think sometimes that growth is, uh, it's 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 it can be narrow minded in, in its own way, where that's the only pursuit of uh, generating the necessary revenues, income that uh, your investors would like you to to go for. Versus, I think trying to understand that a lot of urban planning problems are not necessarily best solved via some type of uh, you know growth focused business I think oftentimes it can be more of just trying to uh, get everyone back in in the right space like you know from a holistic perspective uh you know making sure that people who have, don't have access to transportation uh have you know access uh, that, that that maybe it's someone with with a disability or someone who does not necessarily have the, the Proper income, so it, it, I think that's mm. that's more of the, the challenges that are I think beyond maybe the scope of of the podcast here, but things that uh, make it challenging in that sector.
0: So it's it's pretty um, it's pretty good to the topic of a uh, pretty good topic for this um, podcast because it gives us like a new perspective instead of just focusing on just revenue or earning it. Um, you're, th- you're talking about like the holistic approach. And how it can uh, how it can be helpful for uh, urban community. So if if I get the idea right. So um regarding the um talking about like startups um in software and tech companies um what do you think uh, is like the, the greatest um challenge in the space given that this um n- new trends and development around especially with um ChatGPT. So how do you think that will affect the, the space? In that particular industry
1: yeah the way I see chat GPT impacting the mobility industry at the moment is I would say a little bit more related to the careers that would be impacted by Chat GPT. So what mm-hmm. I mean by that is not necessarily seeing uh automation poses like a negative effect to companies that are uh, now trying to develop autonomous vehicle technology. I think in in that sense, AI is very complementary, and and, uh, it's what is needed to get vehicles to be as smart as uh, an irrational human being in terms of trying to communicate with each other on the road. But I think what, what is going to be impacted. And I think a lot of people are talking about this is careers that I think have been seemingly safe from automation, like the law, the legal sector, careers where I think human beings have been paid to evaluate a document or to validate whether the text contained within is uh, you know worthy of uh, either pursuing case around or. Uh, Is used as evidence uh, in in a court case. Like these types of things, I think, cause ChatGPT to start disrupting white collar industries. I think that's a a topic that's been going around a lot as well. And especially now that I've just gotten through UCLA Anderson uh, with my MBA, that's also some like a, a topic that's been going around too. I think in past automation, mm. it's replaced more uh, manual labor or uh, careers that, that that are more blue-collar oriented. But now that I think you see the disruption of those industries, again, on, on the white-collar sector, I think you can see that uh, the way that people do work in that space, the way that companies attract labor or, uh, it, you know, is the concept of a law office uh, in the downtown area with uh, 50,000 people working there, is that going to be sustainable? And I think as a result, you might see that with mobility, there are side effects from the careers themselves changing as a result of uh, AI and, and chat GPT coming through.
0: Uh, I in- I totally agree with that one, like uh, 100%. And uh, to move in this uh, part of the business like talking about metrics or KPI, in the space where you at or in the business that you're um, helping with, what are the usual like, KPIs or uh, metrics that they use like just to measure success of, of their business?
1: Yeah, so my most recent role has been in product management for the customer success side. Uh, over at Autodesk. And Autodesk mm. is, uh, for those who, who may not know in the podcast, they, it, it, they're they a publicly traded company that provides software solutions for architecture, construction, engineering, uh, anything that you might consider in, in the make uh, side of the industry. Mm. That's where Autodesk comes in. And what's really interesting about KPIs in this space is there's a bit of a Gap between leading and lagging metrics. And what I mean by this is customer success doesn't typically deal only with a email or a website interaction, something that I would say maybe a standard startup would use as their uh, standard metrics, you know, like link clicks or page visits, a uh, number of interactions with a customer, things like that. But I think when you get to the B2B scale and go to enterprise, a lot of the interactions also include the digital, but on top of that is the human interactions you may have with a customer support agent. Mm. And I think that makes for a bit of a challenge when it comes to evaluating if you were to improve a digital experience for a customer success or customer support, Um, but if it also involves human interactions in the next stage, where does, let's say, an MPS score uh, actually connect in terms of is a customer really satisfied with the way they're interacting with the business Mm. or are they not? I think an MPS score, for instance, that's one of the KPIs that we use, but I also think about you know, when was the survey delivered? What period of time was that MPS score uh, obtained from the customer? If they got that survey in the, right when their experience was uh, resolved, right when their their support experience was resolved, Mm. uh, they might be very happy. If they got the survey early on when they were frustrated and they couldn't get a solution, they might think negatively. And so I think it's always interesting to think about how with these scores, uh, what you see isn't necessarily perhaps even directly tied to your own improvements to that experience, uh, or it could be. And so what I'm trying to say here is it's it can be a bit uncertain uh, and a bit nebulous, where I think the traditional ways of trying to think about where numbers like an MBS score would apply can can really be dependent on uh, the moments of time in which you present these types Mm. of uh, surveys, right where you you gather that type of data around how much a customer is satisfied with your business. So it can be a bit noisy. And I think that's where the challenges lie uh, of trying to incorporate a proper KPI into the business.
0: And I I totally agree with that one, especially with the first um, part that you mentioned, um, we use like AI or this automation as a tool, but um, a touch of like human interaction, it's it's pretty important as well. So even with um, like uh, sales and marketing, a lot of it are like um, incorporated with human emotions. So as you said, it's also important to put like a human touch on this um, uh, services that you have here. So um, uh, another thing that I have in mind is that a lot of things that are changing, especially with the landscape where you're at. but the thing that um, like stay on and like what, where we build from is like the, the core principle that uh, we have. So it's a pretty general question, but what's like the, the core principle that you have that able to sustain these um, like, uh, startup businesses? So what should be like not should be, but what is your like, um, core foundation and principles? in regards to that
1: yeah my my core foundation has always been to speak with your customers uh, as directly and uh, as frequently as you can to continue to stay close to the pulse of what mm-hmm. they're they're interested in and you know whether or not you interpret that information uh, directly and just say, okay, they've made a very clear feedback point that we should immediately execute on, or maybe you even dwell on it and you say, well, maybe that's not necessarily uh, where we should go in, in terms of where we want to head as a business. The customer may not anticipate something that you as a founder may anticipate, but at the very least to, you, you know, stay in, closely in touch with um, their their needs more of the why, you know, like mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, if they if they respond to uh, feedback in a certain way, where they say I don't like this or or I I do like this, uh, I think it's easy to just kind of dismiss that and 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 say all right, okay, perfect, that's that's all we need, but to go further into that and really say, well, what what is what why is the reason why you're saying that you like something or that you don't like something, uh, and try to imagine yourself in that customer's day-to-day life. Uh, I think jobs-to-be-done theory is, is is a big influence uh, in mm. what I do from uh, you know, Professor Christians. And so I think that's that's just um, one thing I continue to keep in mind. Uh, and that's for me where it influences uh, my background in design thinking, customer-centric uh, type product development that uh, continues to, I think, remain important today.
0: You mm. uh, see. And for some reason, um that is also like applicable to the team that you have who's providing this um service to these customers that you got. so in changing to that um uh, perspective, do you think it's also like um uh, applicable to to like nurturing your uh, team? i know it's, it's it's pretty difficult to connect, but I'm not sure if you, you get my point right, right there.
1: Yeah, I, I do. It's funny that you you say that because I do think there's sometimes a disconnect between cust- like companies that really are extremely customer centric from the perspective of the people that contribute revenue or are customers uh, to their business, but they oftentimes uh, don't necessarily look inward and kind of ask their own employees what is your motivation for remaining in this position? I think there's people that have so many different motivations. Uh, maybe it's purely financial. Maybe it's purely um, driven around this long-term career. And so I think uh, as a manager in, in training, you know, for, for someone who's just getting, a, getting out of the MBA program, mm. I think it's important to, you know, fi- find like the, the reason within also within your team members. Uh, and I think it's, it's fine that if someone says it's purely money, I think it's fine that they, they, if they respond a certain way, but I think the fact that it, it, the matter is you should know what those are and then orient someone's goals accordingly uh, around some of their intrinsic motivation so that, uh, you know, you end up with a more productive team in the end.
0: I, I totally agree with that one, 100%. no matter what the reason as long as you like you connect with them and they will feel that they are like being cared for i think that will like somehow change the game for um your team right yeah and And, um
1: yes yeah and i was going to say i think sometimes the conversations can be uh uncomfortable right i think i think a lot of us are not used to uh openly discussing that type of uh uh you know, interest or 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 motivation in a feedback discussion but i i think that's that's lately uh more important than ever especially as uh i think people and their loyalty to companies i think in this very unstable economic environment uh, is a big concern so i think you want to make sure that you're you're tied to your employees not just by uh your brand or for your company or what your ceo stands for but also like what they are intrinsically motivated by which feels like common sense but it also feels like it's something that you, you want to make sure you continue doing
0: <laughs> yeah I, I i agree with that one and when you say common sense it's just fascinating to me when uh, you the more uh experience these entrepreneurs that i interview the more simple their answer would be so sometimes you forget about the simplicity is what you said um just um, connecting with yes. um these uh like people or member of people that you have So I just want to like delve in a little bit about um, like taking care of the team since you said you're managing um, a team. So when they, because I've heard that a lot that you should like regularly um, connect with the team that you have and show that you care for them. But is there like an actual structure on like sustainable one and how you can do that?
1: So in my current role, I'm more of a of an IC for the product management side. But the teams that I have managed from the MBA program, uh, I think definitely the frequent check-ins are very important. And again, I think the, what I just mentioned earlier around practicing what you preach, but making sure that you understand everyone's intrinsic motivations as Mm. to why they're doing it um i think what made the pandemic a little bit difficult is having those types of like dinners or lunches where you can do that uh pretty casually now i think because you're for the most part confined on zoom i think it's a bit more difficult uh you know to do that type of inquiring uh without making it seem like it's a it's a you know it's a formal environment uh but at least from recently the teams that i've helped organize one for instance was around the kellogg design competition uh where they they had a corporate sponsor an automaker nissan who was looking for innovative solutions to their electric vehicle uh you know, growth questions that they're tackling right now i think that a lot of automakers are also trying to answer uh and you know when i built the team uh you know you, you could assume that the team is built in around the desire to win and the desire to get cash money but i think it's it's much more you know complicated than that i think you know people want to be a part of a team for for different reasons aside from that i think that just relates in parallel to uh, what I mentioned earlier around the workplace.
0: It it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I also agree with that one, like hundred percent aside. It, it goes like deeper beyond that, like the compensation or like the role, it's somehow like feeling that they uh, belong to, to something, something like greater than themselves. I know it sounds like um, some sort of like spiritual, but that's what I usually get, uh, usually get somehow. Yeah. So um. This is a typical thing like I I ask um the to the to the people that I interview. I know it's a pretty like broad question but Kevin what's 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 the secret you think in scaling or growing a, a business especially in software um and tech companies. I think
1: the secret is Again, what seems like common sense, but I always felt like when I was doing startups, uh, I still failed to do. Uh, I could. I always felt like I could do better, which is to be as detailed and really deeply understand the problem that you're trying to tackle for the customer. I bet mm-hmm. you that. In the entrepreneurship world, there's there's going to be a split around what I'm saying here. But uh, I think to focus first on a very core problem, even if it's a bit specific, even if it doesn't sound sexy, even if it doesn't sound like uh, many people would be interested by it. I think as long as you have your crazy fans that devote themselves to a particular uh, problem that you understand in their context, in their lives, that it seems like it would be a no-brainer for you know a, a startup idea to really grow at scale. I think where you might find some initial ideas or companies slipping a little bit is when they they kind of lose that focus so they try to broaden too quickly from mm. uh, trying to tackle that core problem at hand. Probably because they've been pressured by outside investors or they've been pressured by people to to. You know, say, "Hey, you need to grow your uh your applicable market size faster than than you uh, currently are doing, right?" Or, or they're they're telling people otherwise. But I think that uh, this is something that I I've overlooked in the past, um, but I do realize now how important it is.
0: It, it it's just amazing how I see the pattern uh, right here because. As what you said, like focusing on these, uh, even like small things, like being like having like an actual like um like solid structure, even just it's if it's like just a small thing, you know, Jordan Peterson like always says this one, which I heard a lot from other like influencers and like great speakers, like just make up your bed. Can you can you do you, do you get do you get the idea like how simple it is? But you need to like um actually do the thing and do it with proper execution with uh, no matter how small it is. And then you build up from that. So that's, did I connect that one to the point that you got? Yeah. You build up from these um, small things until um, you create these um, like gigantic stuff that you wanted to um, establish. Yes. So what you provided to me is actually like um, super insightful. And I also totally agree with you with that. Um, A lot of like businesses starting like slipping off because they're trying to grow too fast, like too soon and not able to have this like strong and like um, well-built structure. So I totally agree with you with that. So again, what you provided to us um, is super insightful. And the last part especially, I can consider that one as a liquid gold. So, um, Kevin, if anybody wants to connect with you or reach out to you, partner with you, what is the best way to do that?
1: Pretty open to connecting via the usual platforms, LinkedIn, uh, even, even Instagram these days. I feel like that's <laughs> where people uh, tend to connect to. So uh, email, LinkedIn, uh, mm-hmm. I think those would be the two predominant ways, but I'm, I'm open to the possibilities.
0: Okay, and um, to our listeners, um, you've heard Kevin. You can reach him out to those platform. And guys, if you made it this far, uh, thank you so much for sticking with us. If you got any value from today's episode, we would love to get a rating or review where you get the podcast. And if there is um, some people who's in the midst of growing their business, or like thinking about starting a business, send this episode to them. And then take one thing that you learned, Um go out and execute and implement it and let us know how it goes. We want to hear about your wins. And again, we really appreciate your time attending to our podcast, Kevin, and providing these pretty simple and solid um, ideas that you got. Again, we've experienced like a pour of liquid gold from you. Thank you so much. so much. Thank you. Amazing. And for everyone that's listening, see you in the next episode. Cheers.